as much as I do sort of look forward to uh, the collapse of society, I really hope the power grid stays active long enough for me to play through Elden Ring. It's um, the Shooting the Sheet podcast. That's a cold opening. I'm Jay. I'm Miles. And I'm also cold. I mean, Jay. Uh, what are we talking? It's the podcast where we talk tabletop RPG stuff. Yep. And we all have extremely high energy levels, as you might be able Whoa. to tell. Um, this week, we kind of have, I, I don't know, I think it's a weird topic, even though I'm the one who came up with it. It's kind of about rebooting games and characters, kind of like recycling your old content, why you do that, kind of some ideas about how you'd go about doing that. I, I might have my fair share of... It's the recycling episode. It's true, because if there's one thing we should do more of, it's recycle. Because it's not the company's fault that the world is being ended. It's, it's your fault. You put too much trash in the trash. Remember that time that you had a candy wrapper that just accidentally fell out of your hand and it fell on the ground and you couldn't get to it? Well... Look down at your feet. You see all that? That's your carbon footprint all everywhere. You destroyed the ecosystem. Wow, I, I was talking before this podcast about putting having us all in a weird mood, and I am... We're in an awful mood. I am in that mood. We're, you know, they don't say struggle bus anymore, but it's still, it still has its routes. There's still a couple different lines. So, Miles, are you riding the struggle bus today, or how are you feeling? Uh, I've had a really bad headache all day, but I... I managed to schedule a job interview for for tomorrow, and that's that's gonna be hopefully a good time. And you know, I'm 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 excited to potentially you know do do GMing as a as a like regular paid job. And like you know, so in you're theory it's about... in theory it's like fifty bucks a session, but also like the sessions are two and a half hours, three counting like setup and. Uh, end wrap up stuff. So like, fifty bucks in three hours is that's that's still decent. That's just shy of seventeen bucks an hour. I'm I'm down to get paid seventeen bucks an hour to be a DM. Okay, pretend I'm somebody's dad, and this this somebody is like nineteen, and they're trying to go into this sort of field, one might say. And I'm gonna be like, what are you talking about? You can't make a real living just playing Dungeons and Dragons. What is it? How do you describe this, Miles? You What's what is this job? I, I teach classes to children. I, I am doing youth engagement. Uh, and we do it through the internet so that there's so that there's a wider audience. I mean, girl, I had to go to youth engagement in a church where they made us so do, like, music quizzes about what song is playing. And you have to smash something with your... You have to smash an egg with your head. It was awful. I was traumatized. And that's why I am atheist. I mean, um, realistically, if you want to get right down to it, I if I get this job, I will be getting paid more for it than I was to be a teacher um, at the camp I taught at for four years. And that's... That sure is a statement. <laughs> oh, boy. We're, we're well, just... I think, well, I think to teach kids how to do Dungeons & Dragons is teaching uh, the Zoomers and post-Zoomer generations the most important skill that they're going to need for their entire lives, which is imagination, alienating yourself from reality mm. for the sake of survival. Isn't that called disassociating? Yes. Cool. Imaginative dissociation. In fact, that's how when you get the job, you should begin each, uh, not class, but each new class you have, each new semester, by just writing that on the board. 
I don't think you're gonna have a board because this is online. You should yeah, get a board. I, I probably won't have a board. Honestly, I should invest in a green screen, and I also have to wear a costume while I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> which is gonna be interesting. But, I don't know. Should be, should be neat. Um, Do you usually wear a costume when you GM for us? Don't we all uh, wear costumes every day? No, but I, no, but I do put on clothes. Uh, because I, I mean, sometimes I'm on camera, but otherwise I just like, I don't know. Part of me feels, part of me feels weird sitting there in my underwear talking to my friends. Like, and, and you know what? That's a, that's a prudish hang up of mine. Y'all can't see me. It doesn't matter. But yeah, no, know. that is a prudish hang up of you. Sorry, no. Um, I mean, I'll usually wear clothing, um, especially because it seems like we might be going on camera more often for our games. But, like, I don't know. I, I was the type of person that my best friend quickly learned that they had to call me before walking into my house, or at least knock on the door. Because if they came up to my room and, like, they didn't let me know I was there, I would not be wearing pants. I'd never be wearing pants. Screw pants. Like, I thought, didn't you say you were about ready to go? It's like, yeah, but all I had to do is throw my pants on. That takes me, like, ten seconds. I can mm -hmm. wear my pants for any longer than I have to. God. No, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm right there with you. It's why I have to put on clothes to to get on Discord. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I don't think we really did much uh, news <laughs> research for the week. However, um... We were discussing before the podcast about the Monsters of the Multiverse. Um, is that that's the name of the book that's part of the other set, right? Yeah, Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse. Which is not just one singular book you can buy. It is a set of previously put out books for, is it 150 bucks? Something like that. I didn't look into it because I don't care about getting special edition reprints of the, you know, player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide, even though I don't own any of them. I don't own either of those. I, I actually do only, it's been less than a year since I've owned the 5e, uh, like, core uh, set, just because it's like, oh god, if I'm ever recording something here and they look at my, uh, tabletop bookshelf and they see it's like so you have all these four ebooks you have some three third edition and some 3.5 but you don't have like anything from 5e who even are you but yeah so i don't and i'm not a marketing expert um but i don't understand who this is for like this isn't something for new people because saying hey spend 150 dollars is a pretty big ask for someone but for most people that would be willing to do that they probably already owned some of, if not almost all of everything else that this had to offer. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I it is going it is... to be available in oh, like sure. May or July or something to buy aside from that. But till then, uh, good luck. I hope this isn't them sending a new president's presidents. Yep. That's the word now. I think it is intended to be for new players, at least a little bit. Um, but weirdly, I think the people who are most likely to benefit from it are people who are GMs for, like, game shops and stuff. I agree, yeah. Because agree. then they won't have to make use of a bunch of different books at once, because most of the stuff that they'll quick reference is going to be in just Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse, which, 
Why we're not getting a solo release of that until like May or June is ridiculous because it's the only thing people are going to buy this box set for. Know, and it doesn't even have new content from what I can tell. It's just a bunch of old content consolidated into one thing with like stat blocks reworked so that spellcasters are easier to run for uh for GMs like yeah, spellcasters are yeah, but also I've taken a look at the updated stat blocks of some things and I like it less because it takes things from being spells to being more like innate abilities in a lot of cases. And that comes with different complications and makes it a little bit less freeform. Like, if I'm looking at a caster in a book and, you know, oh, this NPC that you're going to be fighting is this caster class, this caster level, and these are the spells they have. Like, okay, I'll go in and I'll see which ones of those seem reasonable for that caster in this specific instance of this NPC. And I'll swap some things in and out. But making them innate abilities is going to, I feel like, discourage people from actually working with the stat blocks. Yeah. That, I, I'm going to have to take a further look at this myself. I, I think anything to make things easier for players and GMs is always a good effort. It, it sounds to me like, based on what you're saying, that they might not be doing a great job at it, though. It, it doesn't seem like and... it's making anything any easier. It's just including descriptions for the, like taking some of the spells and making them innate abilities and then adding descriptions for them and like kind of flavoring it a little bit and like, okay, you're flavoring it a bit, you're explaining it, but you can include a description already without making it not a spell. I don't know. It just, it seems weird. It, it yeah. seems, it seems like a strange choice that they're going to, like they're putting out in preparation for it syncing well with what they want to do with 5.5. Yeah, with... Oh, God. And that's its own thing to just, like... I, I'm very curious to see what they're going to be doing with whatever the next version of D&D &D is. Um, yeah, and they wouldn't Does be... anyone know, is there even, like, the tingling of a 6? Dungeons & Dragons 6th edition? So... In the distant future? There's, there's talks a bit about some significant changes they plan on making to the rules, but not so much that it suggests to me that it'll be a new system. Like, it won't be 6th edition. At least, it doesn't seem like it'll be 6th edition. To me, it seems like it'll end up being 5.5. Um, Though, to be fair, most earlier editions of Dungeons & Dragons before 3rd edition, from what I gathered, were designed to be at least somewhat compatible with each other, and then things kind of got majorly different with third edition when they tried or maybe it was second edition i don't know i was listening to a history about dungeons and dragons the other day because i don't know i like listening to history things um, uh so second edition had some had some different bits to it but i think i think the biggest jump was between second and third that's when i mean yeah. between second and third that's when they got rid of uh thaco and like reworked how a lot of things worked right oh wait no second edition was when was second edition when they added races as being separate from classes, like finally split up that you could be an elf and a wizard uh, instead of case. making like elf its own class? 
and that might be the case, but it's kind of hard to tell because there were so many editions of Dungeons and Dragons before third edition. It, it was that it gets a little confusing to some time, yeah. times to think about it. I know Advanced Dungeons and Dragons still had the still had the like lack of races and classes as separate yes. entities. Advanced D&D definitely did. I don't know about second though. Yeah. I mean, I started with third edition. Started is a very loose term for this. But I mean, I I'm curious to see what they do because what was the code name for 5e? Was it D&D Infinite for a while, but then um ew. I think it was actually, right, because I think if I remember correctly, they weren't intending to give it a name. It was just going to be D&D Infinite, but then people just kept calling it 5e, so they just kind of stuck with it. Hey, everyone. It's Jay from the editing room, and I just want to confirm that, well, yeah, I am not wearing pants. But more importantly, it was not called D&D Infinite. It was called D&D Next, and that was just kind of their prototype name for it. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I, I'm, I can be, my memory is not great. So, sorry, uh, back to the show. Just don't want to spread any misinformation. Love y'all. Bye. Hang on a second. Does that mean... Is that why D&D Beyond is called D&D Beyond? Because it's... <laughs> oh, God. Nobody, it wants, might not nobody be wants numbered iterations anymore. It's always, like, in infinity. I, I mean, I, oh, I should please, verify please this. It might not be numbered iterations. It was one of those words... <laughs> Numbered iterations are so useful for cataloging purposes. Oh, trust me. I love uh, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, but um, you have Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds Deluxe, and now Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. It's like, oh boy, just tell those to people and they might guess that Savage Worlds is the first. Savage, Worlds, which one? Savage Worlds 1, Savage Worlds Series S. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Savage Worlds Vita. No, we're not doing Vita. I, I do want to know. Savage Worlds Revolution. Like... <laughs> I miss the design uh, for the Nintendo Revolution. On... The, the design for the Nintendo Revolution was so early two thousands gamer. It really was. Let's just make it black and red, black and red. That's it. Oh, but yeah, Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse is going to be coming out, and it's going to be individual release in the like late spring early summer and you know what if you're listening to this and you're like hey there's there's a lot of books out there for D, &D but i don't have any of them yeah maybe maybe pick that one up uh if you want to but otherwise fuck no like it yeah moving on what else we got going on uh, uh nothing oh, <laughs> uh kind of gm workshop slash news uh jay how are you liking let's roll because you just started messing around with that because the beta just i'm liking uh, it a bit. Just it's, it's hitting a lot of good bits between foundry and roll 20 by my only issue is uh uh okay uh, okay i should say i have two issues and it's not one's not exactly an issue but it, it Je can ne peux be. Parler en français. okay so we wanted to play ryutama in it but it was all in french because that's <laughs> the version of it is because uh, I forget where are the developers from again? Mon Dieu. Uh, they're, they're not from Mondu. That's not a place. They're Merde. in Bel they're in Belgium. Um and the 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 system was specifically made by someone who was speaking French. So mm -hmm. uh 
so it's just got French as the as the language. French is not I I, I felt I was unclear in our texts earlier. Um, French is not like the base language of Let's Roll. I mean, to a certain degree it is. It's just that is a significant portion of the audience and user base is French. Mm -hmm. And this touches upon, and it's one of those double-edged swords. Um, so, I'm on sec, sorry. Uh, it's one of those things where it's great. Uh, most of the systems put into Let's Roll are done by the fans. But I have seen this before, and that means, however, that if Let's Roll undergoes any major changes and gets some big system revisions, or like, you know, like hosting revisions, if people aren't updating the character sheets and whatnot, the systems, that might just break and they might just might be abandoned at that point. Um, I know this yeah. has happened with Foundry a bit because Foundry has a Ryutama system in it, but it's been over a year and a half since that was updated and it is no longer compatible at all. I tried using it, but you can't like put in any of your like max HP, your stats. It just doesn't work anymore because it is so outdated. And I really hope that doesn't, well, I can't say, I really hope it doesn't happen, but it's going to, it's going to happen with some things. I hope it's minimal the amount that it does. Um, yeah. The, the nice thing about roll 20 is that you can immediately make a fork of a system so like if you have a system that hasn't been updated and you know how to update it you can make mm -hmm. a fork of it and you can update it and then you can just use that from there and that's that's really helpful and useful i've i've been i i yeah i don't know i place value in that but uh yeah yeah no, it I... can be it can be a little frustrating the formatting thing is weird because whenever you make a character sheet in it whenever you are building a system in it uh, if you take a look, there's those themes that you can have for your character sheet. Some of them change the formatting and the spacing. Uh, those different themes that you put over it can change what your character sheet looks like, and that can actually fuck with the spacing that you program into how each oh, text gosh. box is laid out. It's not always significant. Sometimes it's pretty minor, uh, but some of them are not quite laid out the same. And it, it's a little frustrating. Uh, in theory, if you're building a system, you then have to go through and make sure that your spacing is properly made so that it looks nice no matter what theme it is in. Um, and I'll be straight up. I made the Glitterheart system on there, and I did not bother with that. I did not bother yeah. to reformat it so that it works on every theme. If... If you're listening to this and you do the uh, Glitter Hearts one on there, and it's the one I made, um, use the generic character sheet, most likely, because the generic character sheet template is the one that I, at base, made it with. And it looks fine in that. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really wish I got along with VTTs more than I do. I don't know what it is, but I swear the second I touch them, they just break and then my brain fizzles out and I'm like, why don't I get this? Why? And then I realize it's because I never want to play 5e in any of them. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. If I just played 5th edition in these, like I get roll 20 for 5th um, fifth, fifth edition. I'm sure if I was doing Foundry with 5th edition, I'd be super duper happy. Um, 
Although I, I was having issues that were related to like my maps disappearing. It's probably because a foundry instills in the same uh, monkey brain uh, need to mod it all to heck and back that Skyrim does. It's like you tell me it's like, oh, I can make this better. Bells and whistles. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I like the look of Let's Roll. It seems like I'm hoping it gets support because it's hitting a lot of things that like. Well, I think it could become the biggest or it feels like it could be the overall best of the heavier VTTs that's free. And by that, I'm comparing it yeah. specifically to Roll20. Because it and Roll20 are going to be fighting for the same market share. Ugh, gross words. But, mm -hmm. um, because it's not like Fairy or Albert Rodeo, um, which are all very lightweight on purpose. This one has a lot more features, like Roll20, in theory, does and should. Yeah, um, and it comes with some of the features that Roll20 locks behind a paywall. Like, it comes mm. with dynamic lighting um, and the ability to add in uh, dynamic backgrounds and stuff. The one thing that it uh, has that Roll20 doesn't have, well, it will eventually have, is mobile access. So if you've ever tried to access Roll20 on a mobile device, you know that it sucks. Uh, it's just deeply... It, there it is again. It, it's just it's just very poorly designed for mobile because it's it's not designed for mobile. It's not designed to be used on mobile. Um, it's barely designed to be used on a tablet. Uh, it's barely designed. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, yeah, that, no, Roll twenty is a be. great thing that has done the minimal amount it can to remain usable. It, it, it's it's just well, that it was the best free service for so long. Well, you know, I mean, if we're talking about if we're talking about platforms that have done the minimum amount possible to make themselves just barely usable, I mean, Disney Plus is right there. But um, no, it, I don't know, it, dude. I've literally HBO Max was like literally <laughs> as soon as you opened up a damn video, it would like just bump you right back to the menu. Okay, I mean, Disney Plus still doesn't have working autoplay between episodes. You still have to manually select yes, play next episode. And it has a finite uh, watch list. If you add something to your watch list and you're over like 25 items, it kicks the oldest thing that you would put on there off of your watch list. Ooh, that's pretty bad. Yeah, but that's, I, that's I still so think I know bad. one that I feel like is... <laughs> still think I think of one that's maybe worse than both of those two because hbo when we got it working it worked okay but remember we had no luck with that funimation app that one time we wanted oh to watch, god yeah um, okay yeah the funimation app is garbage when we were watching it we were watching an anime called scrapped princess and it every single time we got to a commercial it would restart the entire episode <laughs> and and like it was after like the mm. first or like the second or third time because you know we just tried to skip forward it just kept happening. We're like, okay, fuck it. We can't because it's just, <laughs> what are we yeah, talking about? There's, BTTs? And there's, there's so, there's so many ads on the Funimation app too. Like I, I tried, I wanted to rewatch original Dragon Ball on it and it was just like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. We're going to interrupt the opening with an additional, uh, commercial break. I couldn't go a minute without a commercial break. Oh God. I know. 
Oh, anyway, God. Okay, but, so but yeah, last so VTT before we probably should get uh, back to tabletop games. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's Roll is yeah. interesting, and I think it's going to go well. And it, I mean, there's a reason it's Kickstarter caught on so fucking hard. Um, mm-hmm. And realistically, once Let's Roll and Dungeon Alchemist are like really, really off the ground instead of just being in beta, once those two are super off the ground because they're compatible with one another, um, at like at base they are compatible with one another, you can import a Dungeon Alchemist file right into Let's Roll, and it can be the 2D or the 3D map, um, potentially, last I knew. But like once those are off the ground, Let's Roll is going to see even more of an uptick. I'm very excited to see it. And you know what? I, I, I'm curious about... Let's roll versus roll 20 and let's roll versus foundry. Cause those are two different things. And it's going to be, cause I, I guess I'm just like, I don't really know. And I like foundry. I have foundry. I'm just going to be curious to see what benefits foundry is going to be able to offer that. Let's roll. Doesn't, but you know what? I'm sure in about a week or two, we're going to have lots of comparison videos and yeah. I'll watch them because I have no life. I mean, it's entirely possible that, Let's Roll, I mean, realistically, for the first good long while, Let's Roll is probably going to have a good few server issues, just because of mm-hmm. even more traffic and the fact that they're a smaller operation. And Foundry, I mean, I don't love the fact that whenever we've done Foundry, we've had to do port forwarding, but uh, at least I think it was, was it port forwarding we had to do? I don't yep. remember now. I didn't yeah. port forwarding. Complicated network science crap. Yeah, the fact that you don't have to do that in almost anything but Foundry is going to be a real, real reason not to go to Foundry. To be fair, you also have to do it in um, Fantasy Grounds as well. And oh, Fantasy Grounds yeah. is... Uh, oh, gosh. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, if this is GM's workshop, I don't have anything specifically to mention about making content for games that won't be talked about until rebooting characters later. But I can say that we, as in Jay and I, our dice making is, you know, I was gonna say it's going swimmingly. Um, we made a lot of progress over the last week. We fucked some stuff up really bad. Um, but we're using that as an opportunity to, um, Jay has made our own um, sigil or whatever you wanna call it, logo. And our dice now all have mimics on them. Yay, mimics. And those are currently 3D printing. And I'm also excited. um, We're not going to be using the normal uh, standard pyramid D4s. We're doing the ruby D4s. Mm, Okay. And I do love the ruby D4s. I'm a big fan of any weird dice. I don't know. I still like the pyramid D4s just because they feel like I'm... Whenever I've got a bunch of them, it just feels like I'm holding caltrips. Well, I get that. Um, you know what you should do is you just make caltrips. We should all <laughs> be making caltrips. Are they illegal? I, I had the sense that they were illegal. Um, but like, you know, if you I'm just accidentally sure. have some like nails glued together into a weird shape, who's to say? Yeah, you could do it with screws, too. Screws are uh, Three screws bent together are very popular caltrips. Oh, you know what weird dice I I die I'd like, but I would never use it because it actually like just triggers something deep inside me that makes me upset. Is um the 
like all-in-one dice that you've probably seen online. It's usually like a circle, and like when it rolls oh. somewhere, there's like arrows that points to it. Yeah. And I'd I'd love to have one, but I would never use it. I just want to have one to be like, I have this thing. It's the worst thing I own. I um I would not want one because I feel like it would be loud and annoying at the table, and also too frustrating to transport. Yep. Um, Meanwhile, I've just got uh, a big bag full of dice that's not hard to transport at all. <laughs> well, some people get uh, fun little wooden dice um, boxes from their friends. And I, mean, I definitely I intend to use this dice box. But um, I'm trying to think. Miles, it sounds like you might be the only one that really got to play any games this week because, I mean, we, we had like a quarter of a session, but even that on our Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game had to be cut short because... I put something in the microwave that vaporized, I think, a bunch of chili paste and it made mace in our house and we had to leave. It was... I can't really establish how bad it was. We were all choking and... The smell is still lingering in the b first floor, too. It's not noticeable once you're down there for a moment, but, like, whenever I come down in the morning, I still smell it for a, just, like, a couple minutes. Like, yeah, oh, it was pretty God. whack. Wow, way to brag um, about how your house has more than one floor. <laughs> yeah, sorry we don't live in California where there's no basements. <laughs> sorry we don't live because, in California. <laughs> because everything is earthquakes. We actually just got yeah. another earthquake the other day. Like, a, a noticeable decent one um i feel like but, it would be yeah. not good to joke about that but yeah uh stay safe don't get hurt yeah. one of those rare areas that can have all natural disasters in it and uh, not tornadoes despite having really high wind speeds around me uh no tornadoes Guess what you jinxed it it's jinx now you said no we'll just get we'll just get a macro burst we'll get a macro burst it's not technically yeah. a tornado <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, no, um, I have, I have played in a game. I've, I've had three sessions of games since our last episode, but I have played in one of them, uh, because, uh, Friday I played in my Clone Wars game and that was pretty fun. I, I, I play Obi-Wan. I don't talk about it too much cause we've been off of that for like a month now. Um, but it was... It was neat. We did a little bit more investigating. Apparently, we missed a clue from the original episode about, like, who the traitor is amongst the clones. Because the way they find that clue in the show is ridiculous and shouldn't happen. It was just down to, like, a dumb luck that it did. And not based on any actual, like, investigation. So, oops. Now we've got to accelerate things. Uh... <laughs> And we're, oh man, but, but it was, it, it had some interesting ripple effects or might have some interesting ripple effects just because, uh, thanks to me communicating with the council, because I was like, I don't know what in the world to do about this. I need to seek outside advice. I'm going to call, I'm going to call the Jedi council. And now they know that the clones can be disloyal to the Republic. Like they are capable of actively acting against the Republic, um, which may accelerate some discoveries about, uh, 
about certain brain control chips and certain numbered orders. Uh, <laughs> so who knows? How many seasons were there of Clone Wars? Um, oh, I want to say there were six seasons. The sixth season coming out on um, on Disney Plus very recently. And then there's the secret Tartakovskis that the kids don't know about. And uh, oh, there were seven seasons. The seventh season plot. came out. the The seventh season came out on Disney Plus. There were six seasons originally. Mm-hmm. And uh. do you think you can finish up this entire plot of that in four months? I don't know. I, uh, it sounds like you're progressing things quickly. Given that we only play every other week, absolutely not. Boo. Uh, okay. But, uh, oh, let's see. But I did also have our Frost Maiden game, which was, which was interesting. And I'm looking forward to trying, trying that session again next week, where we just like sit and we do some lore discussions and we talk about what we intend to do as players and you got some neat lore uh that i had been some of which i had built from before we started the game some of which i've built in response to you tying up the like large power aspects of this campaign way faster than you would have normally um but it's it's neat to see where we're headed uh and good to just do a little bit of that like take a moment to collect ourselves and figure out what we're doing style thing um and on Tuesday, I played in the Final Fantasy game, except I didn't play at all uh, because uh, Yuffie's not there anymore. Yuffie failed her test, and now she is part of the Temple of the Ancients. Not that, dead, Sorry, necessarily. So Final Fantasy VII. She's not joined with the life stream, so she's not dead, but she is part of the temple now. And I don't know what that means. But yeah, two of us now don't have characters we are actively playing as. Jeez. <laughs> he went from two to none. That's impressive. Who who do you think they could introduce for you to, like, assume the role of? You know in freaking Left 4 Dead when they just find it, your character again in a closet after you've died? And you're like, oh, thank you, I've been in this closet. Who's that going to be in this universe? Well, so here's the thing. Uh, Sid did show up over the events of this, uh, this session. Sid, who had recently been left waiting to have a meeting with Reeve that was never going to happen in his home. But so now Sid and She-Ra are here, having taken the tiny Bronco all the way here, and are meeting with Reeve right now. Not sure if it's just to yell at him and eventually, like, get killed or taken away. Not sure if it's, uh, you know, to finally say his piece, but Sid has every reason in the world to hate our party, and I have the distinct impression that the reason Sid and She-Ra are here, because two of us don't have characters we're actively playing, and are about to become them. I'm so sorry if you become Sid. I... I don't know what I'm gonna do if I'm Sid. Uh, if I if I have I don't want to be Sid. I really don't want to be Sid. Okay. I oh, wait. I know who the character is. You're gonna play Marlene. I would. Nailed it. I would absolutely crush it as Marlene. Uh. I wouldn't. I would not crush it as Marlene. But I'd love to play as Marlene just because Wedge had such a good relationship with Marlene in our uh in our game. Mm -hmm. uh, and now now her two like her. her 
her surrogate aunt and uncle, Tifa and Wedge, are both dead. Aww. And her She's biological about- dad is maybe dead, maybe not, because he got carried off by a sandworm. <laughs> Listen, I think... But we got the experience think... for it, so... Okay, I think you should play as uh, Andrea. I, Andrea. I would love to play as Andrea. Uh... One of our players, one of our players, her her character, uh, who's an OC that got introduced because uh, she also plays as Barrett and Aerith, and Barrett and Aerith were simultaneously kidnapped, so this new character was introduced for her. Um, and she and Andrea were like actually close and uh, developing a little bit of a flirty relationship thing, but I just like I I like acting off of that other player like it it's really fun getting back and forth with her um there's a like there's good reason that uh that character and wedge got so close uh when wedge was still alive it's because like i enjoy acting alongside her i enjoy doing that um it's a good time but also i'd just love to play andrea because i want i want to go from playing like frustrated, slightly snotty Yuffie, who's just wildly overconfident, and just slightly moving out of being deeply sad Wedge, and just move to being completely overdramatic Queen. Please. I'm showing Jay a picture. Uh, Andrea is wonderful. I can't wait for Andrea's uh, guest judge uh, episode on Legendary. <laughs> no, he knows too much about b- ballroom to do participate. Yeah. I'm so- that's mean. I love Legendary. Um, okay, last suggestion for a character, and that character is Gilgamesh, because Gilgamesh can be in any Final Fantasy he wants to be. I don't think he's in 7, but anyways. Um, yeah, sometimes folks... Uh, sorry, what? Is Gilgamesh a summon in 7? I I feel like I remember that, but I could be wrong. Oh, he might be, because sometimes he's a summon. Sometimes he plays cards with you, like in Final Fantasy IX. Um, I anyway. don't remember what... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, I've, I've been in three sessions this week, and only an active participant of one. <laughs> I have... Yeah. Sometimes, folks, your games uh, fall through, all of them, in an entire week. It's awful. It's not that they all fell through, but sometimes things are just... Uh, life finds a way. As life finds say. a way to it, get in the way of everything you want to do with your own life. Yeah. I will say the Final Fantasy VII one was also fun because I was just sitting there for like 10 minutes waiting because I had a solution to the puzzle they were doing that I wanted to suggest. And I was just sitting there waiting for them to think of it because I was just like, come on, you have this thing that you can do. Please just do it. Just just do the thing. And then the minute someone brought it up, I was like, yes, yes, that. And also you can do this with it too. I was just waiting for you to have this idea so that I could say something. Because <laughs> you're... Cause I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, why, why, why would I be able to alter what they're doing if I'm not involved in the scene? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You, you know, though, guys, I just And then they this. did something smarter. They, they did a different thing that was smarter than the thing I was thinking of. Oh, Miles, no, no one does anything smarter than you. That's completely untrue, dude. <laughs> no. 
What kind of friends does Miles have? Are they like fucking geniuses? Move over, Jimmy Neutron. Miles' friends are here to, I don't know. We didn't do Gimme a Guy. Yeah, fuck Jimmy we, Neutron. We didn't do Gimme a Guy. Uh, so as a rapid Gimme a Guy, let's let's build out the character sheet of Andrea Rodea. Uh, Ooh, okay. Specifically, okay. Technically, this isn't the remake Andrea Rodea. This would be the original Andrea Rodea, but still. I'm thinking some sort of monk because I want to see him do capoeira. Um, yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. Maybe drunken master, but I don't know. I mean, if you can change it to drunken queen, that works. Um, but okay. Why is this hard for me? This should be easy. I love Andre. I watched that scene like 30 million times. Um, not just because I think it awoken some things in me about myself watching Cloud get all femmed up. Mm. Um, and that uh, was that Cloud maybe, is beautiful. Maybe inspiring leader. Dress. Maybe the feat inspiring leader just to uh, tie into a little bit of like, he is a decent manager for the honeybee inn and like knows how to motivate people to do certain things. Oh, and just kind of yeah. gamifying well, that. I don't know. Frankly, I actually think he'd have all the weirdest stats. He would actually not be good at monk shit, but he'd be great at charisma um, and, like, no. performing and persuasion. He uh, would be you a know monk. What? You know what he but... is, though? He's he's a College of Glamour bard. Yeah. With a splash yeah. into monk. He's a College of Glamour bard with a splash into monk. Yeah, because he, he has to have that charisma. He has to. That is a great... I mean diva the focus character. Yeah, I would the, call I that mean, a diva class. The the focus on the focus on College of Glamour too. The the like illusions inherent to it are. <laughs> that's the whole reason you saw the little button prompts for the rhythm seg segment in the remake was he was casting those illusions. Fuck. The problem is now I just want to play as Andrea. <laughs> you should let your GM know this. What are we talking about this week? We are, wait, are we redoing the entire episode now? No, no, we're no, we're, no Miles, we we're, have to. We're moving into our shit. Uh, okay, so, here's this RPG horror saying. story. Yeah. Got it up for you, Jay. Actually, no, I just have the Andrea Rodea um, wiki page up. Just read that. How, That's how, the real horror. No, it's not. Oh, wait. Did it's, you... Well, it's the real horror. Um, posted on r slash RPG horror stories by user Gwena Ellen. Gwena Ellen. She tried to break up my friendships and marriage. Not a tabletop RP, but Tumblr. I've been an on and off user of Tumblr for the RP community since late 2012 and have made and lost many friends for various reasons. Usually one of us leaves the site, makes a new blog, etc. over the years. When the second Star Trek reboot movie came out, I joined that community to RP a character from it and made a friend in a girl I'll call Jane. Jane roleplayed as an original character of hers, and we got along well, writing constantly for many months and even exchanging Snapchats and phone numbers so we could text while I wasn't able to be online. In 2013, I left for boot camp and wasn't able to be on the site at all, so many of the friends I made, including Jane, became distant memories. Flash forward to July of 2018, uh, five years later, and my most recent return to Tumblr RP. I happened to cross Jane, only recognizing her because she still writes the same original character with the same features and name as before. I follow her and hang back, not thinking she'll remember me like I remember her. Eventually, she reblogs a post that asks for positivity to be sent to her, so I do. 
I tell her that it's nice seeing her and that she's still writing the same character and still has all the love for who she's created. We quickly catch up and not only reach the level of friendship we've previously been in, but exceed it. We start calling each other our internet spouses, intertwine our original character's stories together, and talk every single day for at least several hours at a time. Everything seems fine. Yeah, this seems fine. Yeah, uh, sure does. Sure, sure does. At some point in time, I make the statement, a common polite statement among internet experiences I've had, that she's always welcome to stay with me if things in her troubled household get to be too much. She takes this literally and tells me she's looking at plane tickets to fly across the UA to come stay with me for a few days. I'm anxious and polite to a fault, and this didn't seem to be a red flag at the time because we were friends, and I had just said she could come, so I didn't tell her not to book the tickets. She was set to come visit in November, after festivities for my daughter's birthday in October had settled down. Oh god, he is a kid. Also, festivities for the birthday last... Sorry, I, I like the idea that they have a multi-week birthday party. It takes, uh... Not even multi-week, but like... If this is in... Sorry, brain fart. If the kid's birthday is in October, even at the latest of October, it takes like a couple days to wind down from that birthday. What the hell are they doing? I mean, my, my guess, my guess is it's around uh, Halloween. So figuring mm -hmm. that out with the like yeah. local trick or treating schedule, because that's not also always on Halloween and like a lot of other stuff. It, the, she's probably planning okay. on visiting. And so, the and so first I can imagine like the parents being like, "All right, that's enough excitement for a couple weeks." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My husband took off work, and I prepared my son's room for her to stay in for a few days. For five days, then at midnight, I drove two hours to the airport to pick her up. Everything seemed fine. Note that the entire time she was here, so were my husband, who I'm very happy with, and two young children. After she had left, she quickly asked when she could return, and it became the most important thing we could talk about until the date was set. She asked multiple times if she could come in May, which I stated multiple times was too busy of a month between birthdays and family visits, and that sometime later would be preferred. Eventually, we settled on her coming in mid-March. Um, That's let me just earlier. do some math, yeah. yeah. Over the next couple of months, Jane began secluding and dropping mutual friends of ours. She'd say something like, Kathy's so annoying, she talks way too much about blank. Suddenly, these mutual friends were no longer my friends on Discord, nor were they following each other on Tumblr anymore. I believe that my association with Jane drove them away, and for a long time I didn't care. All I needed was Jane. I thought I was happy. Then, we met Cora. Cora also wrote an original character, but stayed in the fandoms that I was more accustomed to be present in, primarily medieval fantasy ones. It's worth noting that on a few occasions, I had tried to introduce Jane to these genres, and for the most part, she wasn't interested, which I respected and eventually let go. I began writing with Cora after we quickly became friends via some shitposting. I added her on Discord, the primary means of contact with Jane too, and we had begun talking about our characters in the medieval fantasy setting and their relationship. Until this point, Jane and I had made a soft agreement that unless the story was massively different, we probably weren't going to write romantic relationships for our characters with anyone but each other. What the fuck? I don't, is this is what this Tumblr is... RP is like? Uh, you know, I... Tumblr RP can be very involved and a very, um, I, I will say, passionate group. There's yeah, also Christ. there's There's also, like... I, I am not super involved in it. I'm more on the outside looking in, uh, really. But there also seems to be a pretty big turfy side to it. Um, uh, as but, soon as Cora and I... Is there. As soon as Cora and I began actually writing our characters romantically together on the dashboard for all to see, Jane became overwhelmingly interested in the medieval fantasy genre. 
Suddenly, she wanted to buy Dragon Age Inquisition after not wanting to play the copy of Origins I had when she was here for longer than the intro. For longer than the intro, or take the offer of me giving her my Origins information so she could trial Inquisition for free first. That's a lot of details I didn't care about. Uh, she wanted to write with a mutual friend that puts all of her love into Lord of the Rings slash the Hobbit characters, and clearly tried pushing for a romantic relationship between the mutual friend's character and her own, likely because Korra already had a romantic writing with that friend. So this is a lot to say, like, there is weird jealousy and, like, trying to make the protagonist of this jealous by getting into romantic fantasy RP with somebody else. I love this. This is uh, amazing this is to me. It's so fucking messy. It's, it's very messy. Jane's jealousy of mine and Cora's relationships, both in and out of character, uh, whoa, was obvious to everyone around her. Jane had invited Cora and I to a group chat that Jane rarely spoke in, despite the friendliness offered by Cora. Once Jane had purchased Inquisition, she vocalized a lot more, and we even had streaming nights where we all played together and made commentary while talking about random things. Eventually, Jane told me in private that she had only mailed the group chat to try and drive a wedge between Cora and I. She also admitted to wishing that another writing partner wouldn't want to write with me anymore, because because we had written a romantic relationship too. This was when I began to get really concerned. Really? This That's is where you began to get concerned. You, you, know, you know who she's not mentioning is getting beginning to get concerned is the husband or kids. All right, we still got a bit of this to go through. Uh, mm -hmm. Jan January 2019 rolls around. Things haven't been that great between Jane and I because I know she's working to drive Cora not only away from me, but from the website in general. This is a common thing that happens because no one on that site acts like an adult. You get enough Sour Patch Kids there, honey? <laughs> I told you you're not to treat or to be mean to me when you're, I'm snacking. You're, you're crinkling it all up into the microphone. I hate you. Okay. I continuously right. tell Jane not to buy her plane tickets because she and her family have hit a hard time financially and the tickets aren't cheap. It isn't a priority. You can always come back, come see me later on, I'd say. But she didn't listen. By mid-January, she'd bought them and she was officially coming back in early March to stay with my family in my house. The next week or so of the month, I started having insane pain from my wisdom teeth and had to have them urgently removed, which took me out of commission for that span of time. I how didn't get on Tumblr, wait, and I barely looked at Discord because I just wanted to sleep through the pain and soreness. Plus, it was my birthday, and that time was reserved for me and my family. Jane wasn't happy at all. She began remaking her Tumblr blog to wipe any sign of me from her pages, remade her Discord, and didn't add me to get away from the conversations and group chats we were in together. She claimed she didn't know if I wanted anything to do with her anymore because I wasn't talking to her. I informed her that I was just in pain and wasn't talking to anyone and that I'd be back soon so we should calm down and not be so rash. This conversation happened at least four times over the course of the same week I had my wisdom teeth removed. This is such... I love this trauma. It is great. This is so... This is what this I imagine Euphoria is like. Bitch shit. I imagine this is exactly what that show Euphoria um, is like. I had my wisdom teeth taken out. So... <laughs> How... And these... I, I don't okay, think we so got this, specific so this person on this, is probably like in their, early to mid-20s. These mid are people 20s. at least in their mid-20s, like, getting upset that they're not talking, to, that, that she's not talking to me enough anymore. <sighs> okay, let's, at that let's point, finish I was this aware that our <laughs> At that point, I was aware that our relationship was toxic and that she was manipulating me to be on her side and only right with her. I had begun talking with the friends that she had dropped me previously and apologizing to them, mending the bond and beginning to speak with them regularly again, while also speaking to Cora nearly every day in a much healthier fashion that built me up rather than keeping me stagnate in social and creative matters. 
finally, after I couldn't stand Jane's manipulation and guilt tripping for me not speaking to her as consistently anymore, literally from the- oh my god, that's a sentence. <laughs> literally from the time I woke up until I went to bed, mind you, I told her that I needed to take a break and think over our relationship and that we both needed to spend some time apart to keep ourselves healthy. Jane's response? More manipulation and guilt tripping. So I tell her that I think it's best she doesn't come down to see me. The tickets are non-refundable, she says. After I told her a dozen and a half times not to buy them in the first place, I felt guilty about it for a while. And honestly, I was about 75% of the, re it was about 75% of the reason I didn't break off the friendship with her sooner in the week. When she tries guilting me again, I block her everywhere. Afterwards, I learned from Cora that Jane had made plans to sabotage my marriage while she was staying with us and try to steal me for herself. I don't doubt this at all because Jane had, against Cora's advisement when the two were still friendly, told me that she was in love with me. I'm glad I broke her out of my life and have since left Tumblr again, likely for good. She didn't push me out, I just have far better friends elsewhere and have decided to focus my character writing in a novel and in D&D instead. Jane still thinks about Cora and I though. How do I know? She's changed her character, the same one from 2012, to be a near carbon copies of Cora and my characters. Have fun, Jane. Have fun. I I adore this story this on so Jesus. many levels. This right. is so uh, fucking It has dramatic. nothing to do with our topic today, except for the fact that someone is reusing a character, but also this is a Tumblr RP, so it might be less reusing and more so just still playing the same character, but... Um, I, oh, God. I had, to I had to slip into, like, a weirder, cattier tone because I realized that the writer was, like, just as cuckoo bananas as everybody else in the story. Spent, like... 10 years, w w went into the military, <laughs> came out, like, started a family, and is still doing these 10-year-old Tumblr RPs in Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. No, that's fine. It, it's a creative outlet. It's, for yeah. me, it's when, it, it's when she here, or the OP, I, we actually never got a gender for the OP. I'm, I would vaguely assume, uh, feminine, based on what we read. I but, heard, I heard cis woman. Um. That's just it. Yeah, but, uh. So I'm just gonna go with that because I have nothing better. Yes. Yeah, uh, you were you were Gwen, uh, Gwenna Ellen. Like this person's gonna get mad at us about it. <laughs> but when she f heard from Jane that, like Jane outright being like, "I'm a jealous bitch," and she doesn't just be like, "What the fuck?" drops the friendship. Um. Uh. Uh. Yes. Uh. She. Her. She's a. Uh. The OP is a woman. I like that. I oh, love. Thanks. I love the uh, the tickets are non refundable twist because it's like, sucks. That's Sorry. Told yeah. You. Yeah. No. Fucking. The minute the person is like, the minute you are, you say, I I think you should not come down. I don't want to see you. I don't think. I, I don't even want to be friends with you anymore. And the person's just like, well, the tickets are non refundable. Like, oh well, I guess you have to come that's down. That's not my then, fucking we'll be problem. We'll fucking weird about it. Yeah, I guess you have. To, I, I guess you have to come down and be around me and my family. I definitely trust you to be around them after I've already told you I don't want to be friends with you anymore, and you have had such stable responses to me not being around you anymore. And like, okay, to the small amount of credit that I can give the person in this story, which again has probably been pretty altered, especially given the seeming dramatic nature of the person posting um to the slight credit of the uh, of jane i know i have personally struggled with feeling 
upset when I when, when like other people are better friends with my friends than I am. And that's not a healthy response. That's not a good thing. And that is something that I have gotten much better about since I since I have, you know, grown up. And I like I haven't struggled with that anywhere near as much as I did when I was like 14. But because someone being friends with someone else does not mean they are less of friends with you. It it just means they're they can have multiple people in their lives that they value. Like, a person does not have a finite amount of friends. They're like, oh, if you if you go down in the rankings, you you're you're like next on the chopping block. It's I mean, realistically, yeah. that's kind of a that's kind of a fucked up way of uh like it, it, it's a very common fucked up way of looking at friendships that I feel like has gotten more common. I mean, I know this is going to sound fucking boomery, but it, it, it seems like it has gotten more common since the advent of social media, just in that now we're putting like numbers to our friendships and like giving the ability to unfriend people on there. And it like creates this commodification of friendships yeah but i don't know i mean i also didn't exist that much in a pre-social media world like i did but also like i was in middle school when i started engaging with social media so i wasn't worried about having that many friends like i i entered my mm -hmm. most insecure time in my life when <laughs> when i also began interacting with social media so there may be a little bit of you know correlation to my belief about this but i don't know no i don't think you're uh wrong at all first of all i've also struggled with the exact same issues you've talked about um what you and i having similar emotional and psychological problems yeah you know it's, it's so weird i wonder how we would have gone along if we met each other when we lived in the same state <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, the, the part of the reason, I didn't choose it for this reason, because I actually hadn't thought about it till literally a quarter of the reading through it. But one of the earliest thing adventures I had on the internet was when I was 12 and 13. And I was freshly, and at this point, realizing I was um, a queer person. It's, again, it's all weird with me because of life changes in the past couple years but i ended up on a harvest moon role-playing forum oh wow okay oh wow where i ended up playing a character and i made friends with uh the leaders of the forum and we chatted like every day and it's actually the uh one of the leaders uh danielle or danielle um who I really got close to. We talked every day for months and months and months. And she was the first person that I ever told that I was queer and she accepted me. And I really, I, I, I wasn't in a good place at that point. It was, if it was 2002 and I am in a pretty conservative area. Um, so just having that acceptance really did a lot for me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like, make this uh, remotely serious thing based on this story. But like, when you talk about the relationships you form doing these RPs, yeah, they're, they can be pretty important. Um, 
before mm -hmm. and after that, <laughs> our characters did end up uh, dating. Not, and it was just fun. It was good to role play. It was good to make friends with people. And I, I get a certain version of that now with uh, tabletop games. Yeah, I um, know a couple of friends whose uh, whose tabletop characters are generally uh, either same characters or uh, iterations of their OCs that they uh, that they do RP of on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes uh, and on, sense. And on Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, I know I have plenty of friends who are Final Fantasy XIV RPers. God, part of me would love to do some, like, a forum RP again, just because that would be great writing practice. Um, but just to, like, kind of lead us to our topic, I did play the same character. I'm not going to give this character a name because it was a name I came up with when I was 12. So... Uh, you can bet it was weeby as shit. Um, uh, and, uh, Jay's seen it because it's my one email address that I use for some things still. <laughs> because, I mean, I have so many accounts just tagged to it that I'm just like, I can't really delete it. So, mm -hmm. but, I, we rebooted that form about three or four times. And... It was probably my first example, like, experience with how can I redo this character in a new way? Like, what did I think worked with him? What did I think didn't work? Uh, how many, how much trauma can I put in the second version of the character? Like, should he be an orphan? Yeah, everyone should be an orphan. Being an orphan's cool. I remember when it wasn't my character, but... You know, half the characters got drinking problems in our second version of the forum because that's what 13-year-olds write about their characters is having drinking problems. Yeah, I mean, I learned so much about having alcoholism from that one episode of One Tree Hill. <laughs> but... Yeah. I once wrote a Pokemon fanfic where Garchomp was an alcoholic. Did you? I, yes. I remember your Pokemon fanfic. That was so <laughs> weird. But you know what? It's as cringe as it all can be. It's writing practice. And it's fun. I mean, I'm... I've never besmirched anyone for writing fan fiction or any of that because just write what you enjoy. Um, yeah. I will... But, I will but you know what? And make, and make connections with your collaborators online, but don't put all of your chips on, like, one online friend that you have who clearly has, like, a much larger life going on with, like kids and shit because oh, right. guess what you're not going to be able to keep perfectly attached to them everyone's on different trajectories they slide in and out of each other's lives in different you know times and phases so our main topic rebooting games recycling games rebooting reusing characters again it's really recycling content is the easiest way of summing it all up um because they're all a bunch of interconnected ideas here's a question i as i'm preparing for this numenera game i'm thinking like here's a branch where you can go to this encounter or that encounter the one that gets dropped that the players don't go to if i'm just like well that's just the next encounter then and you just essentially chose what order to do it in is that like that's recycling is that like not good do you think i think you that's completely reasonable that's that's like part <laughs> of gm like starting gm advice is you can always reuse the things that don't happen. Yeah. 
and but also, in the but in the very same campaign i mean do you think we'll notice I, are you going to say hey this is what you guys are going to do but you had no choice well now that i've revealed it i uh, can't do it but i wouldn't have i would have just done something else uh, i mean I'll i mean realistically I, I would definitely can... like but what if you treat encounters like modules and you like write it down on a little piece of paper and just like stash it away somewhere in case you ever need to like you know, pull it back out sometime. You're just like, oh, I don't have anything planned for this game. Uh, side story, you're at the beach. This happens. Yeah. yeah. But. I mean, um, you can also put whatever, like, you can reskin it however you want. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can you can take those events and just pop a, like, okay, say it was originally planned to be a beach thing, and there's no conceivable way in this current campaign that you'd be able to do this plot on a beach. Like, all right, cool. Now we're in a resort town of some kind. So long as the so long as the environmental storytelling can interact with the plot in some meaningful way, then who cares what it was originally designed for? Yeah, and most of us will never know. Like I've talked before about how I don't care when Miles pulls back the curtain. Like I do a lot of it too. I know some people don't like that as part of their D and D experience. But I never really think about it during the game being like, I bet Miles planned this weeks ago, but we didn't do it. It doesn't mean planning really things weeks much. in advance. <laughs> do you even the only time I plan in... things weeks in advance is when I plan something for a session and y'all get sidetracked and don't actually finish that bit of the uh, that bit <laughs> the of my notes for a couple of weeks. Is when we accidentally just don't play for weeks and what you had <laughs> planned is just still there. <laughs> Jay, I think you're going to really enjoy once you either read or watch the YouTube videos of the uh, Return of the Lazy GM. I, I think, like, his method of campaign prepping is going to be much... will really help your brain work with it. It honestly works for me, too. But, uh, Miles, have you ever had to reboot a game before? Uh, you know, I... Hmm. Technically... I mean, I've run I've run one shots and stuff with different players playing some of the uh, playing either different characters or sometimes the same characters. Yeah, that makes. I sense. mean, but but like that's just that's just part of. I I ran D and D for kids. I taught one shots in hour and a half chunks for four years. So of course I ran the same campaigns with yeah. different characters at times. Um, how did I that, don't how know did that I've ever feeling? changed systems with uh, the yeah. same characters though. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, realistically, it's it's fine. Those different, I mean, one shots are easy for that. You know, you you play through a one shot, and it's like, all right, cool. I I ran that one shot. I know the things that are theoretically supposed to happen in this one shot, and we'll just keep going from there. I've got the world state. They've got characters. We'll see where it ends up whenever it's done. Um, and let me tell you, the the amnesiac one shot that I did, where they start with blank character sheets and steadily fill them in over time, which has always been a kind of fun thing, and I like I, I wanted to try it out in a low stakes environment, so I tried it out with kids, and it was it was great. The kids had fun. Basically, all of them failed, um, and just like didn't make it out of the temple, but that's fine. Uh, some of them did and made it like multiple days. Uh, and it it was different every single time, and it was it was fun because player interactions change; they change the plot every time. That's why you can run the same module twice and have different 
events. Yep. Like, if I ran Rhyme of the Frost Maiden again for a different group of people, it'd be a different game than we've been running. And that's why sometimes thinking about things necessarily like a binary choice, like you were mentioning, Jay, isn't exactly... It's not that it's... It's not exactly right. Not to say that it's wrong. Um, but players are... Players. Strange and fickle beasts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, even stuff that gets left until way later in the game, you can you can adjust. Like, um, to pull it back to Rhyme of the Frost Maiden again, that that person you ran into who was just hunting Twingas and really wanted to get to know them, that was the option for one of the introductory quests to Rhyme of the Frost Maiden overall, like one oh. of the first quests you could have possibly gone on. But because you left you let it go for so long, I altered it, I twisted it, and I made it more plot-relevant. Because otherwise it would have felt like you were just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And that's that's part of why you're in the spot you're in, is because I, I changed that so that it was more interesting lore-wise, and more based around the stage of the campaign you're in. Instead of just, you know, alright, we're going to a new town, let's let's take a look around for signs of these little little suckers. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it recycling content in your own or recycling or not using and then like saving it for later content in a current campaign is super super easy. Um and encouraged. In fact, it's kind of not necessarily stupid if you don't, but it's you already put the work into this. Yeah, why not? Um um I haven't ever worked with the same the same characters but a new system. Um mm -hmm. but I have seen not personally played, but I have seen same. I have seen people play the same characters in different settings, uh, like my friends who are really into RP and have their like cast of uh, OCs. They'll occasionally play the same characters in different games, and it's always interesting to see because I don't feel like I can do that because I don't have a sort of I don't know, it, it seems like the characters kind of go on these adventures, do these campaigns, and then get reset to a sort of base state that is their, like, canon self. Mm -hmm. and I think then, for me... And then oh, the sorry. game ends, and, like, if they get brought into a new thing, they they start over as if they were in that base state. And I, I don't... I feel like my characters tend to change over the course of some campaigns... So bringing them into something else, it feels like I'm, it, it feels like they, it doesn't make sense why they would be there. Like I would have to find a reason why they'd be there outside of just what I'd have to do for making a new character. And it's just easier to make a new character for me. And I overall, I think, agree with that. Um, usually if I want to, if I'm trying to bring a character from an older game in somewhere, it's usually because I feel like I didn't do a good enough arc or I see where I can set, put that care or where I can send that character like emotion wise. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was talking with you miles earlier about at one point, and this is months ago now bringing in my character from the first chapter of our game we did because it was like, okay, I can kind of think of some stuff. He's a bit older now. Um, you know, there wasn't really a lot of character development for him in the first chapter. Um, it's fun, but you know, I wouldn't exactly say, development wise you know mm -hmm. um 
But for me, a lot of times, if I'm gonna redo a character, it's because maybe the game itself was ended, maybe I really just want to explore a new facet about them, or maybe the game got rebooted. Because sometimes that happens. If yeah. Like, it, it's kind of, like, my notes are weird because I can start talking about any of these things at any point, but they will all connect into something else on this page. Um, and so, there's a chance that we might be rebooting, um, a game I'm a player in, a Midgard 5e game. And we might be rebooting it, and it would probably be in a different system if we do. Uh, partially because I really just don't want to play two 5e games at the same time, especially when they're, like, longer 5e games. Gonna get all my things confused. No, it's just that there's so many fun systems out there, I don't really want to dedicate 10 hours a week to just 5e. Having one 5e game is great. I like 5e a lot. Um, again, this is my obligatory me saying something about how I don't think 5e is the best. But no, don't worry, guys. I still do like it because I do like it. Um, but um, also because this player group is my primary friend group. I've known most of the people that are in this group for 20 years now because time is stupid. And they're not really heavy role players. Uh, or not have, uh, heavy into TTRPGs. They actually like role-playing, they just don't really care for the rules. Um, the GM loves the crunch, but whatever... In that he... horror story, we heard about some people who love role-playing and don't like rules. <laughs> but, um... I, like, one of the things when I say, uh, I have, like, a list of, like, hey, well, why might you want to reboot your game or put it into another system is, well, maybe the system isn't meshing with what your players and you as the GM want. And honestly, my players, uh, I'm saying my players, but my friends, and uh, in this one, co-players, co-players? Collaborators? Collaborators, yeah. My friends, they've never been heavy into most of the rules of 5e. They hate combat. Uh, 5e's not the hardest system to learn, but it can get bogged down really easily. But what about, like, skill rolls for, like, roleplay stuff? I mean, that's... How are they with that? Do they just, like, well, you have to do it, otherwise, what's the point of having these numbers? Well, yeah, they're usually fine with that. Sometimes they'll get annoyed if it's like, well, why can't I do this? It's like, wh why do I have the skill if I, it's, like, not useful at all? Mm -hmm. But, um, that's why uh, I've written down, like, I've kind of narrowed it down at the moment to two different systems for them. Because we've tried Dungeon World before, and it worked okay, but I think we usually like to tell some higher fantasy stories than dungeon world usually lets you do um i've learned that from experience uh when i rebooted a game from 5e into dungeon world and it well we finished the game at least but we had to take a lot of liberties with those rules but i've been just like kind of over the past week redoing a character that this would be the third reboot he's been in um because we played the game and then the pandemic started and then we had that brief few weeks in, like, June where everyone somehow thought the pandemic was over. Ah, uh, classic. And so we restarted the game. And then <laughs> the game was on indefinite hold till yeah. now. Um, and so from that, he started off as... Uh, originally, he was a tiefling illusion wizard in 5e. But I realized as we were playing the game, because we played for months, he'd become more of a kind of shadowy but also divination wizard. So... When we rebooted it, I did that. And now one thing I also kind of did was my character had been started off pretty star-eyed, 
But during the reboot, he, he'd already gotten pretty jaded by the end because this was a world full of uh, good old fantasy racism. Yay. And as a tiefling, my character was kidnapped and all the good shit. Um, so this version of him was really untrusting. But now, I've been spending the last like week and a half figuring out, well, how would I make this character in Savage Worlds Adventure Edition or in the Cypher system? Because both of these systems would offer new things to players. And I've kind of like come to some conclusions that you really, really have to embrace change. Because certain things about your character will not stay the same if you're taking them to another system. Most likely, if I put this character into the Cypher system, he is going to lose his very beloved um, pet... Uh, familiar owl as well as his ability to fly but we were talking about this the other day i like to work um planned level ups into kind of the narrative function of the game i found a fun branch in cypher system so i mentioned that this character was originally an illusion wizard well cypher system has the way you construct a character is you make your sentence and my character would have been an inquisitive adept, which is basically a caster, that dances with darkness. And it is just this weird class type thing I made, or like, that summons dark tendrils from everywhere and create wings with them. I was like, well, what if my character did have his wings, but they were, like, all torn up? And part of his arc was that, like, his teacher is basically, well, you can't come home until you can fly again. But, mm. I don't know, I think I've been rambling for quite a while. I just think that I love figuring out why characters would be different in different versions of them. Yeah, and you know, that was something that when we were still planning out Astral Refrain was something I was interested in doing, and I tried to uh, tie into that a little bit and try and make a character that would be broad enough that changing their mechanical aspects wouldn't change too much about the character uh, themselves. But that was that was a hard thing. And I, I, I mean, if we wanted to go back to that at some point, I'd still be down. Um, but it is it is it, it is a it is a balancing act that I am not super accustomed to. It's it's a balancing act. Like, I, I'll be honest when I was looking at this character and I really think just for my friend group, I think Cypher System, which is a little bit weird to learn, but is so exploration-focused that it really doesn't deal much with combat, I think this would gel with him so much more. But when I was recreating the character, I was like, oh, I would have to lose all of these things about my character that I really liked. But then I kind of forced myself out of my own box with the way I thought of this character, and I thought of some cool, interesting things we hadn't gotten to do with them. Like, this is a character who I really love, and uh, we might not even be replaying this. Uh, there's some other ideas floating around, but I'd love to go back to them because he explores a lot of issues with identity, self-worth, um, not viewing your life as really your own. And mm -hmm. oh, he has some definite gifted kid vibes of self-loathing, but also I might be the smartest person in the room, but also I'm probably the worst and stupidest person in the room. Energy. Oh... But it's, 
it's just, it's fun. I like trying to think about how I would make these characters. And like, obviously there's no reason we'd be switching our Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game, especially now to Cypher System. <laughs> You're just like, okay, last two, three months of the game, Cypher System. But like, I do have experience now turning um, uh, our roommate's uh, bard character from Midgard 5e into a Cypher character. Cause that was fun too. Oh I gosh, mean, it's... I mean, if you if if we do change systems for phase three, I feel like the easiest one to change over to would be Starfinder. Probably. If or... if it weren't so if it weren't so really rules light, I would be tempted to say uh, lasers and feelings. But honestly, I. I struggle so much with something like lasers and feelings because it feels like it feels like it is so rules light that it's genuinely hard for me to start moving with it. No, that's a very like, like I 100% get that. That's why for me, I can't do uh, some um, Powered by the Apocalypse games. And I think a lot of the newer ones, like I, I really need to check some of the newer Powered by the Apocalypse games, but a lot of the older ones, the OG ones, really just didn't mesh well with how I viewed games. And it's not that everything has to be full of rules, but I don't know. They help me sometimes. Um, but yeah, I've definitely rebooted games. Um, I mentioned earlier, the first game I rebooted was my first game I ever ran because we I ran into a lot of issues uh, decent number of them were mine uh because wow running your first game causing like not going perfectly i'm looking forward to running my first and then immediately rebooting it after the first session it sucked start over and you are doing a um what's it called a uh what's it called ba -ba -da 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 -da. five shot you don't really have to worry about it going i don't know why i said five shot five shots that is actually a lot i should you know, know if I'm going to commit to it all the way at the beginning. <laughs> it's going to uh, be five whole shots. You know, I'm in the mood for five shots. Why don't we... I, I'm going to clean this up in post. So, <laughs> yeah, the first game I ever rebooted was my first 5e game I ran. And I rebooted it, it because, frankly, I just wasn't having fun running 5e. Um, that was due to my inexperience, me just not liking how... Well, combat in 5e felt to run and just stuff I did with the player characters that I probably shouldn't have. I took too many liberties as GM, but it was a learning experience. And then eventually, we, and there were actually games in between this reboot, but we rebooted it in Dungeon World, which I discovered my own new issues with. But that one at least came to fruition and we finished the campaign and Honestly, it was worthwhile because it actually taught me a lot about why rebooting games can be useful and what to really look for. Like, there are pl plenty of good reasons why to reboot a game, and you should always be talking with your players about this. But, first of all, it's obvious motivation. If you just can't really bring yourself to keep playing the game, that's something you or running the game, you probably should talk with your players about that anyways. Um, sometimes you'll reboot a game because there's been too long of a gap. That's what happened with that 5e Midgard game I mentioned. We had a like four, five-ish month gap where we didn't get to play. And it's like, okay, you know, this is 
a good time to kind of collect what I'd learned because, or what he'd learned, because there were a lot of comments we'd given to our GM about how we felt about some things, how we felt about certain characters. Like there was definitely a character he wanted us to feel more endeared to, but because he was really mean and racist to us, we didn't like him. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't. The, so, I don't know why I'm saying How that dare you not, not like, like a mean racist character? Because he begrudgingly saved my character once. And I thought that was like going to be like the turning point where he's like going to be a big sweetie. It was like, oh, no, no, you're still just like, you're still calling me demon and stuff. And it's like, first of all, yes. But second of all, you don't know that I'm very sweet and I have a lovely owl. Um, I thought we'd grown past this as friends. <laughs> but <laughs> so the second version, he was like so nice that it kind of was funny because my character was nice and trusting in the first version. But then he was distrustful of the second one. So even this nice version is like, I don't know you. I don't trust you. Why are you like this? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes uh, also just sometimes you might reboot a game because you've just lost too many players for various reasons. That could be darker than it is. But yep, find a group, start over. And sometimes the players are not meshing well with a system. And maybe it's and, you know, I talk a lot about players wanting less crunch. But that's not always the case. Sometimes they're getting bored with the system because it's not challenging enough. In which case, uh, you could try to figure out a way to fix it. And I, I, I conflate rebooting a game with putting in a new system, but that's not even necessarily the case. You can reboot a game and keep it in the same system, of course, and use what you learned about running combat and whatever you're playing. It's not necessarily combat. I also equate boredom to combat too much. Hmm. And I love combat, but... Combat is also oftentimes where in most TTRPGs, things can get bogged down. It's really, it works best physically. You know, when you're in person, you can move things around. I'm thinking about like having little miniatures of landscapes, of maps. It, it, it does add some like tactile, like feeling and excitement to it. Yeah. Um, I, it's a shame that like all of my favorite people to roleplay with we do it virtually. And I it's, mean, it's these days our friends are spread out. Really? It's mostly just the one friend now. Yeah. <laughs> Apologize. Well, we, could, we, have, we have some people that are like around that could come down, but like, you know, won't because, you know, on a Monday night, it's a 40 minute drive or something. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. Pain. But I, I'm just I wanted to shame Miles for daring to live his life before yeah. he even met me. Yeah. Um. To be fair, I'm not even sure you're real. You know but, what? I Sometimes mean, okay. me either. <laughs> uh. So, I, and I said this a bit earlier, but if you're thinking about rebooting your game, you should always talk with your players first. That might not be your best option. You might just need to take a little break, uh, cancel a few sessions, and just reconstrue uh, things. But sometimes rebooting is the best option, and it really is up to the GM to know if that is the case. Uh, and I can't really say I'm like the most experienced with knowing when that is the case, but I, it is pretty intuitive to me when I'm like, no, guys, I, I think we really fudged it up. And usually at that point, at least half of my players are agreeing. Um, whether it's because they've all been remaking new characters because something happened. You know, I also should have mentioned rebooting the game might happen if um, 
everyone made characters for a different campaign. As in, like, they thought it was going to be political intrigue, but this is more of a dungeon crawl. Uh, at that point, you have some communication issues, and you really need to fix those, as well as whatever is happening with your game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always, when I'm trying to think of... When I think of, like, systems, and this is in general, but also for, like, rebooting, I always try to really think about what people are going to be playing in this system. Like, I mentioned my friends, I'd try something a little bit lighter, like, um... Uh, cypher system i do love suede i think once you grasp it it's pretty simple too but it is does have some crunch to it but like if i was running a game with like you miles and zoe and such i wouldn't be afraid to have something a with a little bit more meat on the bones because well guys like meat I think I don't know what this metaphor got away from Love me. Love meats. We're the meat on the body of the bones. We're going back to the very first introduction of the first episode with this. <laughs> oh, um, that's what we call callback culture. Yeah, enough call out culture. How about callback culture? Remember some of those jokes from earlier? Bring them back around. People like remembering things. And then there's just a montage of bad racist homophobic. Oh my god, jokes. it was call out culture before it was cancel culture. It's just the same stuff over and over again. That's not a novel take. Anyone anyone knows that, but like they I just remembered that it used to be call out culture. <sighs> but, on Tumblr. But you know, I, I think like one like key other thing. Um, and feel free to just, like, stop me at any time, Miles. I know we've been dominating this discussion with my rambling, so feel free to, like, just send a message to Jay to, like, have him stifle me. Um, but, and I mentioned this to characters, but you also have to be prepared for, uh, when changing a system, for big changes. And that's not just the changes that you initially think about, well, I want to redo the plot a little bit differently this time, but you have to think what changes is having this game take place in a different system going to cause if you're going from like 5e to something like cypher system what changes having casters not get nearly the same amount of spells as they would in a 5e game cause over like the course of your story what is going to happen to the tone you're not going to have those big combat encounters as much now um. and that can really like it's a not necessarily a domino effect what am i thinking of Butterfly effect. Yeah, I guess it's... A, I don't think I was thinking of butterfly effect, but it is a butterfly effect. It's a paradigm shift. Oh, someone's been watching me play Final Fantasy XIII. Uh, also, that's just common. You know, people say that. I've never heard anyone speak ever in my life. Clearly. Um, oh, wow. So you just reminded me of the fact that at one point for a special Halloween session, me and my friends played through a college set monster of the week game playing as our college selves and that was just oh. so fucking wild especially since it was like okay wait hold on let me put myself in the in the headspace of myself when i was in college wait no i don't want to do that that's that'll be bad for me for the next like two weeks but it was it was so it was so weird and i don't know maybe that's I have to wonder if that's a little bit of how people feel whenever they get, like, really invested into their OCs that they reuse in multiple different systems and games, is they're going mm -hmm. into this headspace of this character that they know so incredibly well, uh, 
that it's way easier for them to get sucked into it. But also, like, I don't know, there, there, there are characters in here that I, I like way more than I like, uh, than I like, uh, Alterna Miles, who used the <laughs> mundane playbook, because what, what else would I use? What else wow. would I have used? Of course you, no, 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 of course you would, of fucking course you would. <laughs> No, but what else would I have used? Like, I wasn't casting spells in in college. I, I wasn't oh. an expert on like, uh, on on cryptos. I I I, or like cryptozoology. I I wasn't you know, invested in conspiracy theories. I was just a, I was just a doofus who you know, didn't tend to think through before going somewhere. Who could be talked into walking through the like just continuing to explore through the catacombs beneath uh beneath several of the buildings on campus without actually thinking, "Huh, I wonder what happens if we get caught down here." Oh god, I'm trying to think. Okay. I I'm combining playbooks from different uh by the apocalypse games. What what is the uh mundane girl called in um uh, Monster Hearts. In Monster Hearts? Oh, I don't remember. I didn't realize the, the, there was a mundane person in Monster Hearts. Oh, yeah. She's basically, like, she always has someone who she is in love with. I'm, and, but the thing is, like, if um, she uses the move where she sleeps with them, it brings out their worst side. Because... Um, yeah, for reasons. That would have been me in college. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know what? To be fair, there is at least one character in this list of character sheets that I would absolutely play again in a heartbeat if the setting permitted it, and that's Jersey Piotowski. <laughs> I would play Jersey Piotowski again in a fucking heartbeat. Again, describe sure. Describe for the people listening of Jersey Piotowski. He was like a musical van dad. Yeah, he, he had a... He drove around uh, in his armored Winnebago and like helped deliver food and water and med supplies and stuff to different small communities in Apocalypse World uh, and he was he was absolutely dressed like an a, a like late 40s to mid 50s suburban white uncle who really liked Jimmy Buffett like he was he was vacation uncle all the time. He he was just living on island time. And it was so much fun. I built a playlist for him. I was really invested in that character and it didn't go anywhere uh longer than like a couple of sessions. But I love that, man. I had a I had a <laughs> I had a separate tab open the entire time I was playing him uh just with uh Midwestern curse replacements. So that I would slot those in instead, because you know there's some there's some replacements I know of, but there's other ones that I just I frequently forget. Like I forget that people unironically say cheese and rice. Uh, <laughs> they are a turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah, but I. Uh, no, honestly, like, I, I I loved Jersey Pitaski. <laughs> it was so much fun. I really feel that like, first of all, I love Jersey as well. Um... But that's a good example. It's like you had a character that you really enjoyed, but you only got to play with for a few sessions. And I have a few of those myself. That's a good reason to reboot a character. And, ooh, you know what? Um, in 
the one 5e game we were with before where I played as Leona, she was a character I loved, but also I gave her no good motivation or anything. And I'd be really curious to try this <sighs> character out again, but like with a story now, like, you know, with anything that was added to her narrative that wasn't, how can I get to be the largest person ever? But <laughs> uh, that was a character, you know, Jay, and it's fine if you can't really remember it right now, but that game, I forgot your character from that one, you brought over from another game you had played yeah. before. Oh, definitely always continue characters. Bring those over from any game into anything. If there's like <laughs> the slightest reason why it could exist in a different game's universe. That's the way to be. I think Jay takes a more extreme version of that than we do, Miles. Yeah, I mean, but, I I think it's an interesting thing, and I think it can I think it can be done in a fun way. I oh yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I've played I've played too many characters that go on for too long, and mm -hmm. like I've played characters that exist for a short term, but I know they're going to be a short term character to begin with, so I don't develop them as much as I normally would. But like oh 100 percent yeah but some characters but, yeah, yeah there there are some characters that i i developed more than i normally would that i would like to go back to and jay before i was unfairly mean to you how was taking your character uh clink from i guess a different 5e game into one just with a whole new group of people because yeah it was fine with a new group of people it's different didn't carry like a lot of the same uh, continuity because that original game with him wasn't very long and neither was this one so I didn't really get like to see how we could explore like the different character arcs with him uh, but uh, yeah it was cool and I remember you were definitely trying to build a character arc um, in that one too but uh, I don't know I love reboot your games stop whatever game you're playing right now cancel it you need to reboot it do a new one bring a character from a different game into the game you're playing right now yep um he can be like an out of time man or something like in a lot of in the freaking Dark Souls world. There's like a lot of sort of crossover about like this person seems like he was actually from Bloodborne. Then it was a character like in Dark Souls one. And they were just the people were just like, "Ooh, what does that mean? Is there a time warp? Oh, let's do the time warp again. But <sighs> yeah, we OK. I I don't know that I have anything else to say about the topic. I think we're I think we're just going around again. I think we've exhausted uh, it. I've... Once we've started making Rocky Horror Picture Show references, the podcast simply must be over. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you can find all of uh, our links on the mimicsmarket.com. No, God, I said that wrong. On mimicsmarket.com. No, yeah, I, I, I had gone to the mimicsmarket.com initially, and it was it was a different place. <laughs> um the website's still a bit under construction but you can see uh another podcast that these two nerds are on it's called honor yeah. book fair we do it <laughs> we yeah we do uh right now we're reading house of the scorpion which is a wonderful book about being a just so sad young man uh just an now, abused little child uh in a in a world that really talks a lot about the nature of personhood and the inherent dehumanization in capitalism. I, I hate, is it, is it mean or is this accurate that on the website I have at least at one point described Honor Book Fair as 
book reports or fifth grade book reports written by adults. Is that accurate? Fifth grade book reports is just like three shitheads talking about it for way too long. Like <laughs> no reason to it's draw fun. it out. Like you guys this. have a fun it's, time with it. Especially when it's the second episode of Percy Jackson. <laughs> God damn, we spent so much time on Percy Jackson. I got into a big, like, existential, like, what's the purpose of death in, like, the universe? Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think that was a good conversation. I think it made for interesting listening. Uh, but yeah, four, we spent four hours on that recording, and that's a while to spend talking about half of a book. Um, but anyway, we've spent two hours on this recording. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Shoot in the Sheet podcast. Please like, subscribe, uh, rate us five stars on the iTunes. Yeah, that seems everyone, all the podcasters like are always clamoring for Apple reviews. I think because like the more reviews you have, like the more you're pushed up into like visibility. Yeah. Do it. If you have an Apple account, which maybe, I don't know, get your mom's iPhone and uh, just say, uh, fuck these dorks, five stars. Especially the two of you who I know are listening to this right now. Annie. <laughs> Uh, love everyone. Have a good night. Good night. And my mom... She'll drink more now than she did when I was younger. And by that, I mean she'll have a margarita and get really drunk. The one margarita. <laughs> Speaking of mom's drinking patterns, uh, Jay's, oh, rec Jay's recently gotten big into V8s. And it's just like, that's it. I've become my mother. I'm drinking the V8s now.